You're listening to a sermon from Iron City Church. For unity, for diversity, for the city, and for the glory of God. First off, I'm grateful that we're able to have this series. Um, It's very, very important. And I also would uh, like us to honor our panel last week. You guys did an amazing job. Can we give it up for them? Such a good panel. And if you did not get a chance to check that out, I really encourage you to go uh, on the podcast. Uh, I personally am very passionate about emotional health and how it correlates to our our life with Christ. Um, in 2015, I had a very difficult year. Um, a close friendship ended in a not so good way. And I found myself in a very interesting emotional space. But one thing about the Lord, he catches us right when we need him to. And in 2015, I was watching an interview with a pastor that I love, during Gray, uh, from Transformation Church in South Carolina. And he, he mentioned a book, and this book was called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And when I first heard the title, I said, emotionally what? <laughs> because I had never heard emotional health and spirituality going hand in hand. And uh, I read the book. It took me about two years to read the book. Here's why. Because I let the book read me. Mm -hmm. And I found out that there was a lot of stuff that I had hidden under the layers of my life. And I found myself not addressing a lot of things that were going on in my life. I started looking at my family of origin. I started looking at the way I grew up, the breeding ground of my family, it was, in a, it was a picture that he gave in the book of an iceberg. And he was talking about how most of what we experience as believers, it lays in the bottom of this iceberg and we only see the tip of the iceberg. And if I'm honest, the way that most churches have discipled people, we only deal with the tip of the iceberg, the things that we can see. And we found ourselves not dealing with the things that are lower beneath. And those are the things that are weightier. Those are the things that really matter. Like how I behave when I'm angry. How am I when I'm anxious? How am I when I disappointed and when I hurt? And unfortunately, the church has been misinformed, underinformed, and there's been some ugly bad theology around mental health as it relates to how that ties with theology. But the Bible is laced with things that deal with actually how we feel. We know the famous story of Job and grief, but our Lord and Savior dealt with the angst of his call in the Garden of Gethsemane. Paul, I mean, actually David, I used to think the Psalms were so bipolar. I used to be like, this man is absolutely out of his mind until I understood, no, he was actually more in tune with his emotions and I probably need to get on that same page. That's why this series is very important. And so I found myself healing from things that I never thought affected me, like not having a father in my life, not having a father present, understanding that we didn't talk about feelings in my family. And when we did talk about feelings, it was anger and it was explosive. And and I just believe that it's been taboo in the church for too long. I was with Iron uh, Iron City Worship in 2019 at an event And there was a pastor who gave an amazing message on mental and emotional health. 
And it wasn't three months later that that same pastor committed suicide. We've seen some of our favorite celebrities that bring us joy like Robin Williams in his life. Because again, the things that we can see on the outside is a little different than the things that we can see under the surface. And the Jesus that I serve and that I worship cares about the whole you and not just the part of you that people can see. And so as a church, our responsibility is to have a robust theology that's strong enough, a Jesus that is powerful enough to deal with the inner parts of who we are. That is why we're having this series, because it's important. And when you get to the subject of anxiety and fear, even what we heard this morning in the prayer moment, it just, it just puts your heart in this posture of like, how long, Lord? We live in a, in a world that is literally the breeding ground for anxiety and fear. Do you know that all of us can change with the beep of a phone? That is the world that we live in now. We live in a world that's super comparison. This person on Instagram went on a trip. I hadn't been on a trip in a year. Something's wrong with me. Comparing ourselves to other people. We find ourselves in this world that's a breeding ground where now we find out news that sometimes we don't even need to hear. I got a text alert on my phone that there was a python found in somebody's bathroom in Australia. Why do I need to know that? By the way, I hate snakes, so they are cursed for me. So if you have a snake as a pet, don't invite me to your house because I'm not coming. I was checking the, my P.O. box and I got a news article in the newspaper for Alabama about flying snakes in Australia. Why do I need to know that? But if we're honest, there's a lot of stuff that our brains are carrying that we just don't even need to know about. I don't think I need to know what you have for breakfast every single morning. That's just not something my brain needs to be occupied with. But we live in a world where there's so much intake. There's so much access to information and it causes our hearts to be just unsteady and anxious. We find ourselves able to have access to anything at any time. And so my goal for this message it's for people in this room who struggle with anxiety and fear, no matter the level. Because again, there are levels to anxiety. You have your mild levels, where it's reactionary, is normal. If something were to happen in this room that was scary, we all should be scared. If not, we need to go see someone. And then there's also biological things that happen in some of our brothers and sisters that they can't technically control. But no matter what level of your anxiety, my, my encouragement to you tonight is that there is help and that there is hope in Jesus Christ and in his community. And that's the hope for tonight. My goal for this message is that you leave encouraged and reminded about the power and the presence of Jesus amidst your anxious moments. Something that I've noticed I was talking to Scott the other week as I was prepping for this message. 
When I have my moments of anxiety, I find myself more so praying about the anxiety than inviting Jesus into the anxiety. Because oftentimes we don't think that that's something Jesus can handle or something Jesus has any information on. But can I tell you, we serve a savior that is experienced with it all. He can sympathize and empathize with us when no matter where we find ourselves, and that's the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Also, we have brothers and sisters in this room who've heard some very damaging things as it relates to mental and emotional health. I got an opportunity to um, interview three of my closest friends who I walk alongside personally with different degrees of anxiety. Some are on medication, some have panic attacks. I was actually with one of those friends. We were having a peaceful afternoon and all of a sudden this friend just started shaking uncontrollably. We didn't know what was going on, but all I knew is that that friend needed to be reminded that I am here, God is here and we're good. And maybe that's uncomfortable for some of us to hear, but some of our friends in our congregation experience that. And instead of us telling them, well, can you just think happy thoughts? Can you just get over it? We say that more for our comfort because we really don't know how to deal with it. But I want to encourage us tonight that our presence and reminding them of the presence of Jesus, it does more good than us telling them to just get over it. Because one of my friends said, if I could get over it, I would have. Another friend I interviewed said, I already feel crazy enough. And so when someone tells me to get over it, it makes me just feel even more horrible. And that's how shame steps into the picture. And my prayer is that the spirit of shame will be lifted off us in this area of emotional and mental health because we all have moments where we need the help of Jesus. And so I pray that we see Jesus so clearly in this text. I had two other texts that I was going to preach, and the Lord kind of did a good old turnaround. And so let's go to Mark chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. I hope you do. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. And this is a very familiar passage, but there are some beautiful points that will help us in our anxious hearts. If you're taking notes, the title of the message is Encouragement for the Anxious Heart. And I want us to read this and I want us to see Jesus very clearly in this. Mark, when he wrote this, one of his goals was for us to see Jesus as the Son of God. And if we really had that revelation of Jesus being the Son of God, it really does change the way we are. So in the moment in this text, they were actually coming off a very stressful time of ministry. Jesus was teaching all over, healing all over, delivering all over, and he instructed them to go to somewhere else. So let's look at this text. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. That's gonna be a very important line. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Just a little pause moment here. These were experienced fishermen and they were very used to storms. Actually, um, 
The Sea of Galilee was a breeding ground for very violent storms. So they would have been aware of storms, but this had a little more on it because you had the waves that were filling the boat. And so they felt a moment of panic. I was actually talking to some friends who, like I said earlier, with anxiety. And one of the things they said about anxiety, for those who never really had an understanding of it, it's a very right now kind of thing. Like right now in the moment, I feel this. This happened right now. They have no kind of long-term thinking. It's like right now, I feel like the world is suffocating. Everything is closing in. I feel like I'm dying. And so it's very, very important for us to be gracious with our friends when they're experiencing that because they're not thinking clearly. Because sometimes you can be in a storm that's a little more violent than you're used to. We'll continue reading. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. My first encouragement that I wanna give us for those taking notes on this text is that you are not alone. Let's say that again, you are not alone. One of the biggest lies of Satan in anything that we face is to paint God as this very absent God, to paint him as a God that's not concerned and is nowhere around. When you think about the apex of what Jesus did for us on the cross, Jesus was forsaken on the cross so you and I would never be forsaken. And so in your moment of anxiousness, in the moment of your heart being anxious, we have to remember the promise that we are not alone. As we see in this text, Jesus was in the boat with them. Jesus was asleep in the stern. He was there. When you have a real revelation of his presence, it changes everything. The presence of God changes everything. In Deuteronomy 31 and 8, I love this text. It says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And in Psalm 139, he reminds us that there is nowhere we can go that would escape the presence of God. Now, that doesn't mean anything if you don't value the presence of God. But for those of us who value the presence of God, that changes everything. In the moment of our anxiety and fear, us remembering the presence of God, and not just even the presence of God, but the presence of the community that is around you. It's one thing about this, this text as well, that the disciples were in the boat with each other also. And in the moment of anxiety and fear, we sometimes forget that we have a community that's around us, and we are not alone. And I even pray now that that revelation that we are not alone 
will begin to seep deep in our hearts in a transforming way as not just something that we hear and that we are accustomed to hearing, but it is something that we truly believe and it seeps down in the very depths of our soul that we are not alone. Can you touch yourself and say, I am not alone? I want us to say that with a little more authority. I'm a, I'm a good old worship leader. I am not alone. Amen. We're not alone. We're not alone. And it's good to remember that. We're going to do some call and response tonight, so get ready. <laughs> Second point of the message, if you're taking notes, is that God cares. I'll say that again. God cares. I find it quite interesting, I've done it myself, that when any kind of calamity presents itself, the first thing out of my mouth is, teacher, do you not care? We always question the care of God. I was with the older gentleman, and, and uh, you know, I'm loving wisdom, I love wisdom, and we asked him what would he tell his 30-year-old self. And I'm like, this is a deep question. I'm listening in. This is a 60-plus-year-old guy. And he paused for like maybe 30 seconds, and he said, oh, I got it. So I'm getting my notepad, and I'm like, what is it, buddy? He said that I may know the nature and the character of God so that I won't charge him falsely. <laughs> Let me tell my 30-year-old self that right now, that I might know the nature and the character of God so that I might not charge him falsely. See, here's a bigger storm that the disciples was dealing with. They were dealing with a theological storm right now. They were dealing with the storm of misinterpreting the character and the nature of God as if they served a God that did not care. And that oftentimes when we find ourselves in violent storms, we find ourselves asking if God really, really cares. 1 Peter 5 and 7, it says, casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Now, here's another one. I want us to say this with authority. God cares for me. Touch yourself and say, God cares for me. God cares for me. Please let that seep in our hearts, Holy Spirit. So here's the thing about Christianity. These aren't abstract thoughts. These are truths. And sometimes we can serve God in such a brainy way that it never seeps down to our hearts. And we never actually get to live experientially in these truths. So my prayer is that this seeps from your brain and it goes into your heart and it begins to be shown in the way you live your life and the way that you care for others. Because guess what? A person that knows they're cared for cares for other people. I'll say that again because that's real good. A person who knows that they are cared for cares for other people. And as we're walking alongside people in general, they don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And I want to be a part of a body of church that we want to be good people that care for people in a very, very loving way. Because that's the way our Savior cares for us. God cares. God, help us to know your character so that we can trust you for who you really, really are. That's my prayer.
The third thing I want us to see in this text is that when they woke Jesus up, he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Here's the thing I want to say about that. God doesn't just offer peace, but God is peace himself. Jesus is peace. He doesn't just offer peace. And I'll even say this, the bigger thing about um, the storm ceasing, there's something even greater than that. Because sometimes the peace of God is not the absence of thoughts and bad things, but it's the presence of someone. So even if your thinking doesn't change in that moment, you still have the presence of someone who is actually peace himself, and that's the bigger deal. Sometimes things don't stop. Sometimes the thoughts don't go away. But we have the presence of a loving Savior who is peace. And I love this picture of peace that's in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It talks about that when we uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make our requests known, and the peace of God will surpass our understanding and guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And that word guard in that text is like a military term, which means that there will be a legion of army people. Look at the visual, guarding your heart and your mind. If I had a legion of army people guarding my house, I would sleep well every night. That's the peace that the Lord is promising us. Not this fly-by-night peace, but a peace that will guard our hearts and our minds. Isn't anybody in the room who need that peace? I need that one. I need that peace. God is peace. And I want to say this, when I looked at this text, I had this phrase that came to my mind. That God is more concerned with combing the storm in you not just the storm around you. Now, we was at my Pentecostal church. That would have been the end of the message. We would have been running around because that was preaching right there. Amen? Saints. We'll get there. I'll get you out. We'll get there. But God wants to calm the storm inside of you more than he just want to calm the storm around you. Because when you're dealing with anxiety and these different mental and emotional health things, there is a lot of more things beneath the surface that need to be dealt with. And God cares about the whole you, not just the you that people see, not, this, not just the you that you've shown people, but he cares about the real you when the lights are off and the doors are closed. How are you doing? He cares about that you. And he wants, to calm, he wants to calm that storm. Whatever came to your mind when I said that storm, that's exactly what he wants to calm. Because our God is peace. The disciples had way more going on than the fear of the storm. They had way more going on internally. And when we deal with anxiety, no matter what level you deal with it on, there are deep deep roots to all of it. Our family of origin, the way we grew up, 
what was said, what was not said, all of those things are breeding grounds for the things and the way that we feel. Here's my favorite part of this text. It's actually in the next chapter. It says, then they came to the other side of the sea. Here's what I want to remind us of. When we're in the moments of anxiety and fear, sometimes we are clouded to the word of God. Because when you look at the first verse, it said, Jesus said, let us go across to the other side, which meant that no matter what happened in between the point that they were going to make it to the other side. But oftentimes when we find ourselves in storms and in, in battles, we forget what the Lord actually said. And even in this, our ultimate reality is beyond what we see today. And I have a news flash that's not so good news, but it's good news when you know the end of the story. The world is not going to get any nicer. It's not going to get any better. Unfortunately, we're going to see things like today. Because we live in a world that is sin-stricken. Which is why we need more believers who are not just in this building, but who are out showing the hope and the good news of Jesus Christ. We don't have time to just sit in a building and gorge on good theology. Our theology needs to be practiced outside of these doors. So if you are obese and just sitting in this auditorium learning a lot about Jesus, because these, these some good preachers up in here. To whom much is given, much is required. And so if we know all of this stuff, what are we actually doing with what we know outside of this door? There are people all around us who are struggling with anxiety and fear. And we have the hope and we have the good news. So my commission to us is to share and be hope dealers in this season because we need it. The disciples asked a question, and I want to end with this question as the band comes up. It says, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What a question. Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Beautiful thing for us, we can answer that question. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the head over all things. He's the light of the world. He's the anointed one. He's the good shepherd. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the Prince of Peace. And so your heart in this room may be asking, who then is this that can even, that even the wind and the sea may obey him? He's Jesus, the Son of God. He's not just a mortal man. He's the God man. And he wants to be invited right where you are in the midst of your anxiety and your fear. The question for us is, will we trust him to do that? If you don't mind bowing your heads with me as I pray, because there's a lot of us in this room who deal with these things on degreeing levels.
but we all need the same Jesus. And so Jesus, we may have never done this before, but we invite you into our brokenness. We invite you into our anxious moments and our anxious hearts. We invite you into the panic. We posture our hearts to know that you are there. Help us to remember that we are not alone. Please help us to remember that you care for us. If you dress the lilies, how much more us? Help us to remember that you are not just, you don't just offer peace, but you are peace. Help us to remember that you want to calm the storm inside of us and not just the storm around us. We need you, Jesus. This world needs you. In the moments of our anxiety, help us to remember your word. Help us to remember your truth. I even pray for those who are watching via stream, Lord, that your presence will be so felt even in their homes or wherever they are. And Lord, I pray in the area of anxiety and fear that the shame and the insecurities, that they be dissolved in your presence. I'm reminded that mountains melt like wax before your presence. God, I pray that we will open up in our community groups. If we're struggling with this, to seek help. You're not trying to punish us, to teach us a lesson. All of that punishment was exhausted on the body of Christ, on the cross. He got what he didn't deserve, we deserved it, but he took it for us. Now help us to remember that when the storms are blowing. And it's in the mighty, powerful, victorious, beautiful, wonderful name of Jesus. And can the church say real confidently, amen.